my God, what can we do in this life without you, without your hand in it, Lord, without you sovereignly watching over us, Lord? And so, Lord, even if everything's taken away from us, as long as we have you, we know we have all that we need. So we give you thanks this evening. We are grateful for your love and for your son's sacrifice for us. And we pray, Lord, that we would draw closer to you in this season of Lent. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, welcome again. Uh, things are changing here at Nielsville. Uh, physically, the plant's changing. You can see now we have a screen uh, in the sanctuary, but we're not ready for prime time because we've only got one, one image. And so you're probably wondering, well, are they going to advance the slides? No, we're not. Uh, we could, but we're, we're saving that. Just like we're saving Damien's uh, testimony. He said, yeah, I'm not, I'm not feeling it tonight. So that's okay. We're going to save it. Right, Damien? So maybe on a Sunday coming up, we'll have that. But uh, we're thankful for, uh, for you being here tonight and for this time we have to celebrate. I, I like to just have more of a, a time in God's word together. This is what I, I love the most is being God's word. And I picked a passage from the Gospel of John, and I'm shaking my boots because I got Maria here and all the ladies from BSF, and you're in John, right? Oh, man. So you can keep me, uh, I'm going to look to you for some answers. Uh, if I get, get off track, you can just wave me off. Let's open to John chapter 2. And uh, I was looking for a volunteer to read some scripture as we go along, and, and uh, no one was willing except for Pastor Derek. No, that's not true. I, I asked Derek because he's got a great reading voice. And he's, uh, he's ready to go, right, Derek? So I'm going to read the first part. Let's look at John chapter 2. You can find that in your pew Bible on whatever page it is. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Does everyone have it? Uh, the, the, the ministry of the Lord uh, beginning. We have the, the wedding in Canaan. And what does he turn? Kids, do you know what, what he did at that wedding? What did he do? What did he turn that water into? Do you know? Wine. That's right. That's right. And then he went down to Capernaum, and now he's on his way up to Jerusalem, which is the way you'd have to go. You'd be down, and you'd, you'd go up to Jerusalem. Picking up at verse 13, the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there, and making a whip of cords he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who, were, who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So this is at the beginning of his ministry. He comes in and clears the temple. Okay, ladies, help me. Why, why do we see in John's gospel this account when we see in the other gospels the clearing of the temple happening at the end of his ministry? Do we, do we know? We don't. Maybe it was, did it happen twice? Did it happen uh, more than once that it would happen at one Passover and three years later? I was reflecting on, on the importance of this clearing of the temple, which we're going to get to, but, 
but I thought it was important to think, why, why would John make sure that we had this right at the beginning, this important scene? And maybe think of what happens at the very end of John's gospel, what, what hel- helps us understand all of what John's about. So help me out, ladies, if I, if I got this right. Derek, let's read John chapter 20, verse 31. Okay. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John says at the end of his gospel, there are so many things that the Lord Jesus did, so many miracles. There would be enough to fill up every book imaginable, but he said, these, are, these things I've written down so that you might believe you may have life in his name. And so this is John's account of what was actually happening in those very beginnings of Jesus' ministry. Think about Nielsville, those who've been, been here. What have we been studying? We've been studying the tabernacle. We've been st- studying God's designs given to Moses for a sanctuary, a place for him to dwell with his people. God's great desire and plan to rescue his people and then to dwell with them in their midst, to treasure them and to be treasured. Here we have in John chapter 2, scenes of the beginning of Jesus' ministry, going up to Jerusalem, to this high holy day, the celebration of the Passover. What was the Passover? It was the occasion to remember the Lord's rescue mission of saving the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery. And then what happened after that? Exactly what we're saying. The giving of the law, the precepts for life, for living in communion with God. And then the study of the tabernacle, what we're in together. This beautiful image of God's rescue and God's covenant confirmed and sanctified to have a people set aside for himself to glorify him and not just for himself not just a holy huddle but through these people called by God to be a blessing to the nations to model to all people what it looks like to truly live that was what the celebration of Passover was meant to be look at your Bible again what's happening here Jesus comes into Jerusalem, and what does he see? The selling of animals, the changing of money. Now, there's a practical purpose for that. There were offerings and, and, and animal sacrifices, which we've, we've studied a bit about. I know that's a little yucky, but that was what needed to happen. There were people coming from all over the world. They had different forms of money. It would have to be changed into the proper amount of the proper kinds of coins that we could use in the temple. They're not in the actual temple itself. They're in the courtyards outside of it. What would be so wrong as to have something so convenient where you could come one-stop shopping after a long trip and buy a pigeon for your family? What could be so wrong with that? What the Lord sees here is commerce. He sees here materialism. He sees here the using of his father's house for material gain instead of for the worship of his father. This courtyard where these animals would have been, it would have been the courtyard designated for the Gentiles, 
for God-fearing people that were traveling from all over the place. Those Jewish leaders said, well, as long as we keep the riffraff a little bit far out, we watch out for our own. Go ahead and change that money for them, but make sure to skim a little bit off the top, the front end, the back end, so that we can make sure that the temple coffers are filled. Why was he so angry? The Father calls to you and to me. The Lord Jesus calls to you and to me by his Spirit for us to be in right relationship with, with God, to treasure the Lord God, to want to draw near to him, to seek his forgiveness for, for what we know we've done, and to be in right relationship with him, and then to never, ever depart from that beautiful place. I saw a father and daughter tonight holding one another tonight in this place. The beautiful relationship of parent and child, that's what the Lord wants for us. But what had these religious leaders turned it into? A place focused on money and trade, concern about the building, concern about the temple, how will we afford everything? Does anything ever change? It says the Lord made a whip of cords. Isn't this Jesus meek and mild? Isn't that the Jesus in the Bible? Meek and mild, loves everyone. Isn't that what the Bible teaches? Everyone's, you're fine, I love you. Is that the message we see in this Jesus? No, we see the true Lord all the characteristics of God in Jesus Christ perfectly. We see the passion. And we don't see cheap grace, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer would talk about. We see the costly grace that he came for a great purpose. And here he is trying to set things right. Well, so he makes a mess of things, doesn't he? Look at verse 18. And so rightly, there are some questions going around. And the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? What were the things he was doing? To make a mess, right? He's upsetting the whole, the whole program. Verse 19, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it's taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When, therefore, he was raised from the dead, the disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. I will raise it up. I will raise it up. The Lord Jesus is saying, even here, the beginning of his ministry, knowing why he's here, knowing that he will return after all of his journeys back to this city. And he says, destroy it, and I will raise it up. Pastor Derek, read um, John chapter 10, verses 17 to 18. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. 
this charge I have received from my Father. Jesus is saying he has the authority to raise up again. Destroy this temple, and I will raise it up on the third day. What's being destroyed? What, what, what do the, the Jews think is going to be destroyed? The, 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 the building, right? Oh, the building. That's not what he's talking about. What's being destroyed? I, 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 see, I see a double meaning here. One thing that's going to be destroyed is that greed and materialism going on in the temple will be no more. But also something that's going to be destroyed is Christ's body himself. By their spiritual blindness and pride and selfishness, the very ones who are waiting for the return and the, and the arrival of the Messiah, for their unconfessed sin, their unrepentant hearts, he's saying this temple will be destroyed. On the third day it will rise, but because of what we have done, it will be destroyed. Now read John chapter 4, verse 21 to 23. Jesus really gets straight. He wants to get people straight in the beginning of his ministry about what the most important temple is, and it's not this physical building. What does he say to the woman in Samaria there? Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. The mission continues. Seeking those who would worship him. And, and, and how would they be characterized? Worshippers worshiping in, in, in truth. Spirit and truth. How, how was it that the disciples knew that this was an important story and that John would include it that's so important to have it here? What, what, is, what did they say? They said, after, I've already closed my Bible, what did it say? After he was raised from the dead, his disciples, what did they do? They remembered and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. This is God's word to you. It's this love letter to you. Have you spent time in it? I would encourage you this season of Lent as we come and we're going to receive these ashes that, that represent our frailty, our humility before the Lord, that we, each of us in our own way, has bought into that materialism of this world, has bought into the things that religion teaches us instead of a right relationship with the Lord. I, I, would, I would strongly urge you to make time each day in the next 40 days to talk with the Lord and to listen. You could read through John. It might take a year. You could read with uh, Jamie's group. You're going through the Gospel of Mark, right? Mark, match, Mark, March Madness. Open God's word and say, Lord, speak to me. Draw near to him. Lay down your heart before him. And hear him tell you how treasured you are. He calls us living stones of a temple that will come very soon.
and each and every one of you has a part in it. Let's pray. Lord God, prepare us now to receive this mark of the cross, reminding us, Lord, of our frailty, that we have come from dust and to dust we shall return just as, as Adam uh, was created out of the dust. We will return to dust. We're here, Lord, for just such a brief amount of time in this life. And so many of us know how quickly life can, can take a turn. And so, Lord, we want to live this life fully and freely and by the precepts you've, you've laid down for us. We want to live this life, Lord, to your glory and to our ultimate joy. So God, search our hearts by your Holy Spirit. Know us tonight, Lord. Help us to know the needs that we have of laying down our materialism, our worry, our fears, to lay down before you, Lord, and to know that we have everything in Christ who has the power the resurrection power that lifted him out of the grave can lift each and every one of us, and you've promised this to be true. We love you tonight. Amen.